five four three two one zero and liftoff. Dispatches, a production of Blur Bank, is an in-depth look at those living artistic lives. Each episode will feature photographs and audio interviews with narrative pioneers who have taken creativity and publishing in their own hands. From artists to authors, photographers to philosophers, Dispatches will reveal the faces and foundations of those who lead the creative way. Hey everyone, I'm in Los Angeles today at actually Canon Hollywood and I was here to do one interview and it turns out I get to do two interviews because I just met the one and only, the infamous Stephen Poster. <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Stephen, you are, uh, besides a still photographer, so I literally met you 20 minutes ago. Yeah. And we've been talking, you're a director of photography now, and you're also the president of the... International Cinematographers Guild Local 600 of the IATSC. And that is if you are a set photographer and if you... No, if you're a motion picture cameraman. Oh, cameraman. Camera okay. operator, camera assistant, digital imaging technician, set photographer, or publicist. Um, you, ha we, you have to be a part of this. You, you're, yes, this is the trade union. We have 7,600 members across the country. Wow. Yeah. And, but let's go way back because uh, the person who introduced us, Tim Smith, pointed at you and pointed at me and said, Leica meet Leica. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been a Leica shooter for 25 years, and you go way back in still photography before you were in the motion business. Yeah, I, I, but, but, but very early in my my still photography life, which is my teens, I got lucky and I decided I wanted to be a cinematographer. And that was what time frame are we talking about? Like, Well, when I was, I, uh, I got into interested in photography when I was 10. By the time I was 12, I knew photography was going to be my life. Wow. I didn't know what that meant. Was it weddings and bar mitzvahs? Was it a portrait studio? Was it a journalist? Uh, I had no idea. When I was 14, I met a motion picture newsreel cameraman okay. who happened to live next to, to build a house next door to me. What happened was I was in a um, I was in my living room. I saw a Jaguar, an old Jaguar, drive up, and this guy got out and he had a beard, a cap, and a smoking a pipe, and he had a light meter on his belt. Oh man! And I ran outside and I said, "Hi, I'm Steve. I live next door. What kind of light meter is that?" And he said, son, we'll have a lot of time to talk about that. I'm building a house next door to you. And I thought he was the coolest guy I had ever seen. And at that point, I said, that's it. Photography, movies. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. And, and for me, my father wanted me to be an investment banker. He thought photography was a hobby. Yeah. What did your parents think of this? Uh, until I was 27, they kept saying, don't you think you ought to get a regular job? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the curse. Yeah. And Tim also told me that you were a spokesman for Canon still cameras in 1972. Yes, and as, as a matter of fact, it was kind of fun because... Um, I, I grew up in a, in a town, uh, a, a suburb of Chicago called Lincolnwood, and Lincolnwood was where Bell and Howell uh, had oh, their yeah. factory. Well, Bell and Howell was the first company to market Canon in the, in the USA. Okay. And I had I met a bud, a guy who became a very close buddy of mine, who was their marketing guy, and he started lining me up with cameras, and uh, uh, in, in exchange. They wanted me to do uh, an ad for them, so I became they 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 at that point I was using F ones. Okay. They had just come out, and I was the second ad in 
Popular and Modern and Peterson's and all those magazines. I was the second ad for Canon F1. Steven Poster in the Canon F1. <laughs> oh, my God. And that camera was unbelievable. Oh, it was it like was, an iron horse. Yeah, it was built like a battleship. Mm -hmm. I had a friend who used them, and when you added the motor drive, it was like yeah. uh, it was like a foot tall. Yeah. And it was just metal. Yeah. Yeah. And so you got into still photography. You had your neighbor. When, when did you make your first piece of motion? Oh, not for, for a long time. Uh, Maury Blackman, my, my neighbor, uh, was very insistent that I learn still photography before I get into movies. And he didn't want me to go into news. He thought, you know, there's a better life for you. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I went to college, and I, I, all through high school I was doing stills. Uh, uh, went to college uh, um, first at Southern Illinois University, uh, where I was involved with the design department, and then, and then with photography, and a little bit, tiny bit of movies and television. Uh, and then I came out to Art Center for, for sure. a couple of years and did still photography there because there wasn't cinematography then. And then I went back to Chicago and finished up at uh, the Institute of Design at IIT and I did some movie stuff there. But my senior year, I um, started working uh, as a, a studio manager for, for uh, uh, editorial guys and uh, uh, advertising guys, and I worked, uh, and then then I got a job as an assistant on my first TV thing, mm -hmm. uh, which was a very funny story. I won't go into it's a long story, but it's like, you know, you do your first paying job in the in the in the motion picture business, and you get stiffed. You know, <laughs> it, it was a good lesson, but uh, um, but but then then I went in for a job. Uh, um, I went into a place for a job as a as an assistant cameraman. It was a boutique uh, a commercial company that was based on documentary work, uh, Cinema Verite. And they looked at a little film that I had shot in college and said, well, you know how to light. And I said, yes, I know how to light. I'm you know, art center and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they said, well, we're going to hire you as a cameraman. So as a senior, I started shooting national commercials. Wow. And everything else, documentaries, industrials. Uh, uh, I learned all about Cinema Verite because... That's what this company was based on. Uh, and, and so I started my, my professional life as a cinematographer in my 21st year as a senior in college. What I've noticed through the years is how many DPs and how many directors of motion picture have a still photography background. So when I hear your background with stills and, and also design, that's had to have been a really nice foundation to go in into motion because not everybody sees that way but I swear you can look at motion pictures and tell whether or not the director or the DP is a still photographer by how you see certain scenes yeah. and I'll watch it in a room full of photographers and we go oh that look at that still look at that still conversely people look at my still photography and say oh that's so cinematic <laughs> you <laughs> so, can't lose you can you know to me there is no difference what I do in terms of movies or what I do in terms of my, my street shooting, to me it's photography. It's no different. Uh, uh, the same considerations in terms of, uh, uh, in, in terms of uh, my eye, in terms of my concept of lighting, in terms of telling a story, it's the same thing. And tell me about the street shooting because you could be doing any kind of photography that you wanted to do but what is it about street because for me people think that I'm a street photographer but I'm actually not a street photographer and I don't think I'm very good at it at mm -hmm. all I, I talk a lot with students about spacing 
And there's a certain kind of spacing that I feel most at home, which I would consider a middle distance spacing. I like a little, a little space around me. And I look for a foreground and a midground and a background. And to get that, I always feel like I need that middle distance. And street shooters to me are people that work right on top of, their, of what they're photographing. Mm -hmm. So why do you shoot street and what is it that you love about it? You know, there's a, um, there's a discipline to street. And uh, uh, that discipline has a lot to do with um, the, your physical relation to the camera and uh, your, your eye, your sense of humor, for me, because that's a big part of my work. Um, human movement, you know, I, 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 I see things in, a, in, in kind of a, I don't want to say a bubble, but a gestalt of, of things going on around me. And, and it's, it's really fun to be able to comment on that. And uh, uh, it's, the, it, it's the automatic example of that camera going up to my eye. You know, I'm focusing as it's going up to my eye and, and, and shooting almost unconsciously. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a, um, my wife is a psychoanalyst, so I work with the, the unconscious a lot. And it, it's that kind of discipline that, by the way, if you don't do it for a while, you lose it. Oh, it goes away. It goes yeah. away. Yeah. And in fact, I am in a period right now, you'll understand this. I, 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 I moved from film with my M6s to an M8 and then an M8 II. I upped the okay. upgrade. After a period of three years or so, I got tired of the chip. Okay. I wasn't getting quite where I wanted to get to in terms of what I was doing before that on film. Okay. And last year, I got a 240, an M240. Yeah, that's supposed to be great. It's a great camera, it's, it's a terrific camera, but there was a period when I was kind of inactive, and I'm still relearning. How to do it? I'm starting to feel like I'm getting stuff now. It it goes quickly, and it goes I always very tell, quickly. It's it, a discipline that you cannot leave. No, and and if I leave for any period of time, and then I go back and I try to start a story, the first two or three days, I see everything that I should be shooting, and I never get it because I'm just not ready. I'm yeah. not prepared yeah. to do yeah. that. Yeah, and I think you kind of have to leave the rest of your life behind because it it demands a lot. But there's also a level of starting over, which I've done, I mean, come on, I've been shooting for many years, <laughs> 50 years, who knows. Uh, but but there's, there's always periods of up and down, of, of, of sallow and uh, fertile. And every time I go through one of these dips, one of these sallow periods, um, I come back and I, I relearn everything again, in a, and it's very exciting. I would go through periods where I wouldn't go into a darkroom. And then I'd go into a darkroom after a couple of years. Yeah. And oh, it's boom. It's it, like being reborn. It was like, it's like being reborn. And, but, but you start from the beginning. You start from a basic point again. And that's, that's what I'm doing now with my, shoot, with my shooting. I think one of the things that, that gets lost a little bit in modern photography because the technology is so good is that people assume that great photography happens all the time. And I think it's actually incredibly rare. 
where someone comes along that sees the world in a unique way and is able to present us with something that we haven't seen before. I'm, I'm sure you were at Paris Photo. I, not this year, but I've been in the past, and okay. I've also uh, been to To the... me, this year, all I saw was decorative. Decorative, decorative, decorative. There was so, I mean, there was some old stuff that was phenomenal, uh, uh, Penn and, and, and people like that, but uh, uh, um, the majority of contemporary work very large prints yeah. of decorative work. And it, it really pointed out something to me. And, and, uh, and as a matter of fact, I, when I started showing my work, I started very large black and white digital prints. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that to me was, it was exciting because I'd never made prints bigger than 16 by 20. And then when I'm making a 40 inch print, oh. Yeah, they're amazing. Looking. They're amazing. Yeah. They're just amazing. So, so you know, I, I've had that experience. But, but I'm actually, I have a sideline now to the street photography. And it's just kind of emerging from me. It, it, and I don't, I'm not sure why. Because all my street stuff is, is, is black and white. Okay. Uh-oh. I mean, Uh-oh. I see color coming. Is that? I'm doing abstract color. Okay. I mean, totally abstract color. And I've only done about 10 or 15 of them so far. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of flipping me out. I'm having fun with it. But you said something really interesting, which is, I don't know where this came from exactly. And that's a very interesting point because I stopped working as a photographer in 2010. I've never done art in my life. I can't draw, I've never painted, I've never sculpted, nothing. About a year and a half ago, I said, I want to learn how to draw. So I just started practicing and mm -hmm. trying to draw. And I thought, I don't know anything about paint. I've never put a paint on a piece of paper. I bought some acrylic. A friend of mine gave me some paper. And at one point, I started what I thought was a painting of a bicycle. And it turned into an abstract portrait, a human portrait. And when I looked down at it, I said to myself, this actually might be good. I, I, it looks good to me. But I had no recollection of how I did it yeah. or where I got there. Yeah. And I think that there is something about, because you've been in a creative world for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I think being in the creative world unlocks something in your brain, a freedom and almost a responsibility as well, because I think creative people have a responsibility to counterbalance a world of normalcy. And I think yeah. I'm interested in, in the actual creative part of it. Like, why do you think this emerged and why do you think it emerged now? Did you see it something? Might be, what, it, was it, it, it's, two, it's two things. First of all, it's, it starts, it's a, it's a bit of a frustration with the fact that um, street isn't in. Okay, yeah. You know, uh, and uh, uh, it's just a fact of life. You know, this decorative stuff is in. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of not what I do. But it's, it's also, it goes back to very, a very early age. And um, uh, I mean, you know, kindergarten through fourth grade or something like that, where the artwork I was doing was was 
completely abstract and non-representational, and I wish I had some of it now because... And how was it received back then when you were in art? Because art's been sort of driven out of schools in a lot of way, and I'm curious because... Oh, it wasn't received well at all, of course. It, you know, draw a stick figure, but, but don't, don't do this stuff. But it's just that was what I did. That was the way I saw things, and, uh, uh, and, and somehow it brings me back. I get a certain amount of freedom when I, when I do this stuff, and it's just playing late at night, making, there's a bit of a theme, I mean, it's, 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 it's shapes and colors and, and vibrancy in a way that, that sometimes shows, it has a sexual feeling to it. Okay. <laughs> That's my per perversion. But, uh, um, but uh, um, you know, you talk about creativity and doing something new, I've, I'm in the forefront of technology. I'm a very technical person in a lot of ways, but I wanted to make a break from that at a certain point in my career with my movies. Uh, and especially since I had been in this relationship with my wife for, for a year or so, and I wanted to explore my unconscious a little more. Okay. What that meant was I wanted to throw out the technical. I'm, I know how to do this stuff. I'm, I'm a master in that sense. I, at, at some point photographically in my 30s, I realized that, that you, you reach mastery. Whether it's pieces, mm -hmm. you know, no matter what you pick up to make images with, you're going to make images. Okay. You know, give me toilet sure. paper, I'll make images, you know, and, and I'll find a way to make it good. Um, I wanted to go into a completely intuitive place to do work and I had the opportunity on a movie to do that and I did it it was one of the most satisfying things I've ever done can you mention the movie yeah it was Donnie Darko Donnie Darko and what I was going to ask you about is you said something a few minutes ago about that you were sitting at night and you were playing mm -hmm. and how much a part of the creative process is the playing and taking risks and not being afraid to fail and, and looking at failure and saying well that didn't work but Guess what? I learned from that. So yeah, usually it depresses the shit out of me, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but as long as you bounce back, it's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. And so yeah. Donnie Darko allowed you to do something you'd never Donnie done. Donnie Darko was a situation where I hooked up with a 23-year-old director, and I made him understand that at that point we were the same age. We were working together. I was his photographer. You know, he was the director. I loved the script that he had created, and I made him sit down, and we read the script to each other, every word, every scene, every beat, every, everything that happened, we understood. We had a, a mutual understanding of. And when we went into the shoot, I threw away the technology and just came out of here. And um, Did you know it when it was happening? Oh, yeah. yeah. I was coming home high every night. It was fabulous. It was a real exciting, uh, exciting time. And um, Richard allowed me to do that, the director, Richard uh, uh, and Kelly. And uh, we've done two other movies, and I'm hoping we start another movie soon. But it's always fun. Now I have a question because I don't know anything about the motion picture world. But yeah. when I see 
clips of like people rapping on films or they're doing the press tour afterwards and they talk to the actor and their actress and they say, what was the film like? Oh, this was the most amazing thing I've ever yeah, worked right, on. Right. So you've done a lot over the past however many years, but Donnie Darko stands out for you in some ways. What are some other things that you've done that you said? Oh my God, um, you, you know, everybody, I always get asked, what's your favorite movie? I could not say, I've had so many good experiences. Um, well, is there anything, like Darko let you move in a direction yeah, that you've never uh, done? Yeah, working, uh, 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 I, I did second unit on, uh, or additional photography on Blade Runner, and oh. then subsequently did a movie with Ridley Scott called Someone to Watch Over Me, okay. which was a breakthrough for me. I did, um, uh, uh, all through my career, I had kind of breakthroughs in, in, in ways, and some of them were the smallest movies. I did a movie called Testament, which was an anti-nuclear movie uh, that uh, we shot in 20 days. It was uh, very, it was kind of, it was right after one of the most fun movies I ever did. Uh, and it was, a, it was a sad, terribly difficult movie in, in emotionally. Uh, and that was fabulous. And it was 20 days. It was one of the best experiences I had. Just before that, I had done Strange Brew. Oh. Take off, you hoser. I just saw it again. Oh, yeah, I love that movie. I just saw it again. One of the, the, the things I've always wanted to do is remaster that movie because now we can remaster it in digital, and it's, like, phenomenal. Sure. But they actually showed a week ago at the Arclight Theater, they had a presentation of Strange Brew, and it was a film print, and it actually looked pretty good. Surprised. I was surprised because I don't know who made the print or whatever. Yeah. But I had a ball on that, and we had a reunion. I was going to ask, when was that film made? Oh, 1982? Yeah, I was, in, I was like middle school when it came out. I loved it. Oh, I saw it a thousand you. times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I st and I still have friends that quote, quote that movie. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, 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 so do I. I laughed, I'll tell you, I laughed all the way through making that movie, and I laughed all the way through seeing it again. It was a, it was a true delight. Speaking of that, is, is when you're, on a set and you're, and you're filming something, can you tell what direction a movie is going, like in terms of how it's gonna be received? Do you ever get on the set and say, mm, this, isn't, this doesn't feel right, and you stick it out and you have to do it? Or is there any ability? I mean, can you... You know when you're on a dog. <laughs> but no, you know what, you don't know. You know, I, you, you put every ounce of, of effort and creativity into every project you do. Um, even if there are times when you're getting beat up. I mean, that's just the discipline that we have as professionals. You have that. You, you, you go in to succeed. Yeah. And you do everything you know how to do to make something succeed. Um, do we know it? I mean, you get a sense of it. I knew Donnie Darko was going to be something. Uh, I knew, uh, 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 you know, I... But then you go in and you think, I, I've taken movies because I thought they were going to be hits. I did Rocky V. Okay. Rocky V was the only Rocky that never made a dime. <laughs> <laughs> I did Big Top Pee Wee, which I had a great time doing, f four months with a circus. In, in, you know, it was idyllic. It was wonderful. Uh, uh, but Big Top Pee Wee was marketed very badly and didn't do well. Um, so, you know, you make choices based on that. I'm... I made big mistakes by not taking things that I didn't think was going to do well, and then it did well. Yeah. 
Yeah. But that seems to be the story of Hollywood, of actors turning things down, or DPs, or directors, and lo and behold, it that's turns a, out everybody's same. career still photography or movie. That, that's just nature, the nature of the beast. The one piece of advice I'd say to anybody is, after you finish a big job, be careful, don't get arrogant. Yeah. Don't just turn it down because you just did a big job. <laughs> is there anything that you haven't done that's eating away at you, like this is something that I want to do. And the second part of that question is, is there anyone that you haven't worked with that oh. you've got your sights on as like the all time? There are, there are a lot of people that I, I haven't worked with that I would have loved to have had a chance to, to work with. But I did, you know, I did a Mel Brooks movie. I did a, a Ridley Scott movie. I, I, I've done uh, Sophia Loren. Uh, a, a TV movie. I've I've had great experiences, but yes, there's you know there are things that that are, that are fun to do. I I I um, I've never really done a cowboy movie. I've done some TV cowboy things, but I've never done a cowboy movie. But I don't know if I would like doing that. <laughs> but I'd love to do a musical, a full-on musical. I've done a lot of music work. Okay. Uh, and musical numbers, and uh, but I would love to do a, f a full fashion, wonderful musical. That would be great fun. Um, and what about directors or DPs that you looked at and said, "This person, like who's you know in what? Your mind, I, the I am in a place right now where I'm having an absolute ball working with young or new uh, uh, directors who who." Uh, maybe have done it once or twice, uh, yeah. but but they're they're young and energetic and 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 want my expertise and want my guidance, uh, and and who can trust me to not be a director or try and be a director for them. I really enjoy that. I I started it uh, well before Donnie Darko, but Donnie Darko was was revelatory for me, and so I'm I'm of a mind now to do that kind of work. It's fun. And what's the difference between a young director coming up in 2015 and a director, let's say, that's been around since 1965, who's sort of a legend in the industry? You know, I have a nine-year-old nephew, and his brain works completely different than mine. Yeah. He, can, he can do three, four things at the same time and listen with incredible yeah. ability. Without, I, I can't do any of that. Yeah. So how do, when you latch on with a young director now, what's the, what are some of the differences between a person like that and somebody who's maybe been around for a long time? Is there a way of seeing things, or is it taking chances, or are the are the opportunities for a young director today more challenging than they were? Oh, I think there there's there's some great opportunities for young directors, and there's so much freedom now in terms of of making making movies. Uh, but but there is but to make a movie and and get it into the mainstream is is a major major challenge. But there's so much work. There's a voracious a worldwide voracious appetite for me, for media. Sure, we're in a good place, um, but I I am right now competing with people half my age sometimes, <laughs> you know, and it's okay. I don't mind it, uh, but but when I do hook up with a director who understands and and uh, uh, who under who gets me. Um, it's hard to kind of get another person, but but who who sometimes I hook up with a director who gets me. It's a pleasure because they they understand the the value of what I 
crave to give them mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of the experience. Um, I have fun doing what I do. Because still photography can be an incredibly solitary pursuit. I think that's yeah. actually one of the things that makes it so wonderful. But filmmaking is so collaborative. So collaborative. And I'm a I'm a you know, I'm a, a bit of a politician and a bit of a fun guy and I, I like people and I like watching and I like observing and you know, that's why I do street. Um, so it's all kind of fun for me. If you could do anything, there were no restrictions, no time limits, no budget restraints. You could be a still photographer, you could be an artist, you could be a director or a DP. What would you choose? More of what I got right now. That's great. More movies. That's great. More movies. Uh, more recognition for my still photography so that I can get it out there more. Uh, I want to share it more. Um, have you ever done anything with it in terms of print form outside of an exhibition? Have you done books or magazines? I've, or? I did a self-publishing book. I've done magazine stuff, okay. but, but nothing, uh, uh, no, n- nothing other than that. But I've had a, a, you know, probably about 15 exhibits, 10, 10 exhibits somewhere in there. That's a lot. That's good. Museum exhibits. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. phenomenal. I yeah. mean, that's more than a lot of people have in a career. Little, so you're, muse- you're, little museums. You're, that's all right. <laughs> it's a museum's a museum. Yeah. Uh, what's the one thing that you don't have that you would love to have? Whether it's more time, it's a piece of equipment, it's, the, it's a connection, whatever. The one thing that in the back of your head you kind of say, God, it'd be nice to have. Financial freedom. Okay. To, make, to do to just do, the projects that you want to do. Yeah. yeah. To, do, to, do, to not have to think about that. You know? But that takes you out of being a real person. Yeah, I think that, that the tension keeps you warm of like, you know, I don't obviously have financial freedom either, but it's, it's uh, I think that the angst of not having it, if you look at it in the right way, keeps mm-hmm. you motivated and focused. And, yeah. 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 Well, I really appreciate you doing this. I kind of ambushed you. That's there. okay. This was fun. Yeah. It's, uh, it's great. I would love to do this again. And uh, thanks for posing for the portrait and taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you.